Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, won't you find the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. My name is Chad. I'm so glad that you made the decision to get here on a cold January morning. And I'm so excited about where we are headed. And if you are new to Abundant Life, we have done something new. We've launched a campus in Blue Springs. And so I want everybody at Lee Summit to say, Go Chiefs to our people in Blue Springs. On the count of three, one, two, three. And all my Mahomies in Blue Springs, we want you to say go Chiefs on the count of three so that we can hear you. One, two, three. All right, I think I heard you. Anyway, Pastor Phil, what's up? We're so glad that you're able to be there at our Blue Springs campus, and we are excited about where God is going to be uh, leading us this morning. As you are finding your way to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, one of my earliest childhood memories was going house hunting with my mom. And so we had just moved from West Texas to East Texas, and and my mom, you know, small family, uh, three boys, young kids, and, and she's got to figure out where she can nest, right? And so we're like house hunters, East Texas style. We're going through all the piney woods of, of East Texas, and we're trying to find this house. And when we, we found the place, it was this little fixer-upper out in the country, and, and we had about seven acres. And my mom and dad, they begin to work hard on trying to get this house and, and make it a home so that they could begin to raise their family in the next season. And, man, this house was special, y'all. I mean, we, we were able to make so many great memories there. We celebrated birthdays. We celebrated holidays. We had growing pains. And then the inevitable happened. We all grew up. We went our separate ways. And we had to sell that house. And I remember that was kind of hard for my mom. And I, re I remember that season because um, she would just, she would remind us that what makes a, a home is not a house, right? And she would say that, that what, what makes this, this place significant were, were the people that were in this place. And she would say things like, home is where the heart is. Y'all ever heard that before? And, and I understand what she means now. Like, I have, I have my own little tribe now, my three little girls. And, and, and every day when I go home, I, I, I'm not rushing to get home to my house, all right? I'm not like, I can't wait to see the siding and the roof. And No, no, like I want to get into the door because I've got three little girls that are just going to bum rush dad. I'm in a great season where they think dad has hung the moon, and so I'm just hanging on to that because teenage years are coming. Anyway, and so, and, and my wife, and I, and I want to go home because of the people that exist in the home. And I start there this morning because there's this tendency that we all have to elevate a place to an unhealthy status where we identify a place as the only place where God moves. But, but God, he, he didn't envision us coming to a, a building and celebrating him in a building. He envisioned a body. Like I know God has done some amazing things at 304 Southwest Purcells in this place. Like God has moved, people have been, uh, they've been found by Jesus in this place. There have been relationships that have been reconciled in this place, but what makes this place significant is not the brick and mortar. It's Jesus Christ. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory, that when Jesus said, I'm gonna build a church, he wasn't thinking Blue Springs Campus, sorry. Um, he wasn't thinking this building. He was thinking a body. He was thinking something that moved and breathed and that represented him in this place. So for my mom, like home is where her kids' hearts are. And for God, home is where his kids' hearts are too. If you're taking notes this morning, I've titled this message, Home is Where the Heart Is. Home is where the heart is. And here's what I want you to see this morning. I want you to see that God wants you to have a new heart that he wants you to have a heart that is connected to his body, and he wants you to have a heart that is serving its purpose. And so Paul, he's written this letter to this group of Christians in Corinth, and Corinth had all kinds of issues. Y'all know the church can have some issues up in here, right? 
Like, like we brought it here, and if we were just to be honest, I know it's church, that's hard, but if we were to be honest, there are some issues in the house this morning because when you get sinners together, even though we've been saved by the blood of Jesus, we still got some issues that we're working through. And so we have a New Testament because the first church, it had issues too. And so Paul's writing this letter to Corinth, and he's trying to help them fight for unity in the body because you had these people that were like, you know, they were followers of Apollos. They were like, I go to Apollos' campus. And these other people, I go to Paul's campus. And Paul's writing this, I don't care what campus you go to, we are all one body. And he begins to phrase some things that, that really, they don't translate well in our culture, but the people that have, would have heard what Paul's about to say, they would have been like, what does this even mean? Like this would have been a, a new paradigm for how they uh, see God and how they worship. And here's what he says in 1 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 16. He says, do you not know that you are the temple of God? You could just circle that phrase, temple of God, and that the spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Like, like Paul, what he is saying is, it, to these people is like, you don't have to go to a place to experience God. Like temple, think this is the place where God lives. And Paul's looking at these people and he's saying that God no longer lives in a temple that is built by human hands, but he lives in you. You are now the temple. So his audience, they, they would have, this would have been hard because they had a temple in Corinth called the Temple of Aphrodite, this huge elaborate building where the pagan gods, that's where they lived, all right? And then, then the Jewish audience, they had this temple of God, like, like they, where God lived, and, and this is what, what their life revolved around. And, and so when, when Paul says, you are the temple of God, they're like, what, is, what does this even mean, right? And so we're in this series called From the Summit to the Springs, and we've been talking about how God has done profound things on summits in history. And, and, and there's this sacred summit that sits in the center of the livelihood of God's people in Jerusalem called the, the, the Temple Mount. And it's where God's temple was built. And so Solomon, he's kind of the guy that built the, the temple in the glory day. And, and Solomon's temple, it was built in about 960 B.C., and when Solomon built this temple, he was literally building a house. Second Chronicles 3 says that he was building a house for God to live in. And so he starts on this construction, and, and, and man, this thing, like, I couldn't imagine being on the building committee for this thing, all right? Historians tell us that this thing was just so elaborate that, that, that some historians believe that a 13th of the world's gold was used on this temple. It's like one of the, it's like considered the eighth wonder of the world. That this temple, it, it, it could have ranged, historians say it could have ranged from $100 billion, imagine voting on that one, yeah, uh, all the way to trillions of dollars to build. And, and so here, here's a picture of it real quick, kind of an artist rendition. And so this was the place that when people heard temple in, in a biblical audience, they thought that, okay? And, and this was the place where they grew up going to, to meet with God. This was the place where they grew up at the temple. They would go and they would find forgiveness. They would go to the temple to find connectivity with God's people. They would go to the temple because that's where hope was found. They would go to the temple because that's where their livelihood revolved, and what Paul is saying, he's looking out at the people, he's saying, you no longer go to that place. You are that place. That you and I have the propensity and the capacity to be the dwelling place of God. 
This is crazy. And what happened is in Jesus' day, the reason why Paul can say this is because Jesus came. And so in Jesus' day, when he went to the temple, he, he saw the temple. And he's like, man, there's something that smells funny here. All right? He said that it, that it looks like it should be representing God, but it's dead on the inside. And so Jesus, he would say things like in Matthew 12 that something greater than the temple is here, and he's talking about himself. He's like, you don't have to go to a place in order to be right with God because God has now come in the form of a person, me, and you can connect with me, and you can now become the temple of God, that God can move into your life, that God's home, the temple, had lost his heart, and Jesus came so that we could have a new heart and God could reside in us. Does God live in your heart? Do you have a new heart? If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down real quick. A new heart, a new heart. This is what God wants for us this morning. And you and I, we cannot be the temple of God if we do not have a new heart. Like the scripture tells us this over and over and over, that we are dead in our sins. Ephesians 2 says this, we were dead in our sin. But, but God gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's by grace that you've been saved. It's like Jana and Rick's story, this is like a perfect example of the gospel, all right? I mean, Rick, he, he was hopelessly lost. He was gonna die soon because he, he had a sickness inside of him. He had a kidney disease. You and I, we have a sin disease. We have a, a heart issue, if you will. And God is wanting us to recognize that and acknowledge that. Do you, do you understand just how broken things are? It doesn't take long for us to look out and realize that there's some, there's some chaos out there, right? The world is flawed. There are natural disasters. There are things happening in the Middle East right now that we're involved with as a nation. There's crime that's taking place. It doesn't take long for us to realize that the world is deeply flawed but we have a hard time admitting that we are deeply flawed on the inside too, right? But I have a two-year-old, y'all. Now, she's about to turn three, so she's, she's sanctifying right now. But anyway, I have a two-year-old, and it doesn't take long for you to get around. I mean, she smells sweet. She is sweet. Chub little cheek, just grab them and chew them. You know, I just love her. But there is something deeply, like she thinks that the world, our house, exists to revolve around her. Just mine? Is that just mine? Any, no? And like, I didn't teach her that. I don't think, my wife, you may disagree, but I didn't teach her that, right? That we all know that the world is broken out there, but also the world is broken in here. That you and I, we have a sin disease, and you and I, we cannot do what we need to do in order to remedy that. And so Rick, like he, he couldn't take medicine. He couldn't work out more. It didn't matter how much spinach he ate and how much Pilates he did. He's not fixing the issue, right? And so what he comes to the conclusion of is he says, I need help. And there was a donor that rose up. And Janice, she offered part of her in order to prolong the life of this man. But Jesus Christ, in the gospel, he doesn't offer part of him, he offers all of him so that you and I can have a new heart. That he comes and he lives a sinless life and, and, then, and then on the, the eve before he was to be crucified, his best friend betrays him. For every time your heart betrayed God. That he's, that he's taken to these false trials and he's accused and he's, he's, he wind, they, they beat him on the back publicly. They strip him naked and they scourge him for every time you've turned your back on God. And then they take him to the place of the skull. Pastor Phil talked about this last week and he is offered as a sacrifice 
on a cross. They put nails in his wrists and in his feet, and he dies naked on public display in humiliation for you and for me. The wrath of God poured out upon this God-man so that you and I could have a new heart. To ensure his death, the, the Romans that were crucifying him, they took a spear and they ran it into his heart. And blood and water hit the ground. And they literally pierced his heart, leaving his heart literally broken for you. That God, Christ, his heart was pierced so that you and I could have a new one. And this is profoundly good news. We can never be who God envisioned for us to be apart from a right relationship with him. And he wants you to have a new heart. He wants you to be the place where he dwells. Do you have a new heart? How crazy would it be if you heard Rick's story? Like, what if the video went like this? I was sick, I had a, a disease, and there was a donor, and, and we set it all up, but you know what, on second thought, I just decided not to show up for the surgery. I'd <laughs> be like, bro, what are you thinking, right? Like, why would you recognize your disease, have a solution to it, but not show up to receive the gift? Like, who would do that? Who would deny life? And, and some of us are here and we recognize, man, we're broken. We've heard that God gave his only begotten son so that we wouldn't perish. But for some reason, I don't know what it is, I don't know why we gotta convince people to go to heaven. For some reason, I don't know what it is, there's, 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 there's a hang up, and I, I don't, why would you deny life and life abundantly? And, and may I implore you and persuade you to repent and come to Christ, he gave his life for you. So, so last week, man, we had dozens of people, like Pastor Phil prayed, and led us all in a prayer, and, and man, people raised their hands like, I need a right relationship with God. We had dozens of people raise their hand, and we had about 20 people that came down, Blue Springs, you had some people that came down and said, I wanna go public with this, I wanna let people know that I prayed that prayer and praise God for you. But listen, there were more hands raised than there were people that came. And I just want to challenge you, if you mean something, bro, you mention it. And, and if there's something that God is stirring inside of your heart and, you, and you're like, God, I want to be right with you, God never intended for you to be an undercover Christian. He wants you to go public with it. And so, man, at, at the end of the service, come grab one of these men and women by the hand if you want a new heart in Christ and let us help you navigate that and help you take your next steps. Do you have a new heart? Do you want a new heart? So Paul, he's saying like, you are the temple of God. Once you have a new heart, God moves into your, your, your life and you begin to be the, the image bearer of God. The, you begin to be his ambassador. And, and, and part of being the temple of God, what, what Paul envisioned when he said you're the temple of God is he envisioned that you would connect with God's people. That Paul would later write in, in 1 Corinthians that we're like a body. Here, here's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. He says, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, whether in Blue Springs or in Lee Summit, and we have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. 
Point number two, if you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write this down, a connected heart. Once you have a new heart, God wants you to have a connected heart. Are you connected to his body? Not just a building, but are you truly connected to his body? Man, we want to partner with you guys in ministry, you know that? Like, like we, if you are here and you're new to Christ and you're trying to check things out, but you're not a part of, of, of Abundant Life's family, of our membership, man, we want to partner with you in membership. And, and we, want, we want to leverage our lives together for the sake of the gospel. And we want to run with the ferocity towards the gates of hell and say, you ain't invading this place any longer. And we want to link arms with you and push back the gates of darkness in our region and in the world together. And the way that we create that alignment is through a thing called Next Steps class. It's, it's our membership class. We want you to, to be on board with this if you've been checking things out. And, and so if you're here in Lee Summit, you would just go to this website right here, and you can take a picture of this or pull your phone out right now. It's not rude while I'm preaching. Just put it back up. Don't get on Instagram. And Anyway, so, and, and you can take a picture of that, okay? Take a picture of that. Go ahead and sign up right now. If you're in Blue Springs, there's a, there's a, um, a Next Steps card in the seat back in front of you. Just grab that and check that I want to become a member of Abundant Life. And, and Pastor Steve, he'll walk you through what that looks like at your campus. And so we want to partner with you. And what you're going to do when you go to Next Steps class is that you are going to hear about the mission and the vision and the values of abundant life and how you begin to navigate this thing, this body that we call abundant life. Are you connected to the body? Not only are you connected to the body, but are you experiencing community? Like, are you in a group? Um, Paul, he goes on in 1 Corinthians 12, and he says this, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And the way that, that this truth that Paul laid out as instructions for the church, the way this truth plays out practically at Abundant Life is you get in a group. Like in a room this size, we don't know when somebody's really hurting. And we also don't know when somebody's really winning in a room, in a room this size. Even at Blue Springs, like you, it's hard to know with all the people that are in there. You, you can't know that. And so we want to put you into groups so that you can begin to bear one another's burdens, so that you can walk out the one another's in Scripture, and you can be faithful to become the man or the woman that God has created you to become in the context of community. Some of y'all are like, man, this sounds like a big commitment. It is. When Jesus calls a man, he bids him to come and die. You're like, man, you don't know what I got going on, Chad. I'm just, you know, I just got a lot going on, man. I'm just so busy all the time. And, you know, in, like in our culture, like busy is like a badge of honor, right? Like what'd you do over the holidays? Man, I'm just, whoo, I was busy. We went there, did this. I'm just so busy all the time. And then you get around somebody like that, you're like, man, I'm not that busy. I feel like I'm just like less cool of a person, you know? And, and we wear this busy as a badge of honor in our culture. And so oftentimes when it comes to giving our life to the thing that God says matters most in his kingdom and in his heart, we're just too busy to get it done. And if you're too busy to be a Christian, you're too busy. I've read this book, and it's hard to argue that God wants you to have a new heart that is connected to his body where you experience community at a very granular level. And so often we, we fabricate a Christianity that is separate from the pages of this book that fits our American life. And we need to turn from that. And we need to be connected to his body. So the way you do that here at least Summit is that you uh, sign up right here for Group Connect. Group Connect is a three week long process. 
in, in which we align expectations, because you know the number one source of frustration in a relationship is unmet expectations. And we define community so we get on the same page and then we can head in the same direction together and experience all that Christ has called us to experience. At Blue Springs, again, there's a Next Steps card in the seat back in front of you. Get that, fill that out, get connected in community. We want you to be known and to know you are the temple of God. And the temple of God exists to connect his people. You are God's body. And what God started out in this summit on the Temple Mount, he envisioned one day that it would, be, it would become a spring and ultimately a river that would flow and give life to all that encountered it. Ezekiel, I know you were probably reading in Ezekiel last week in your quiet time. Anyway, so Ezekiel, it's this um, Old Testament passage that we don't spend a lot of time in. And in, in Ezekiel 47, he has this vision that, of something that is coming from the temple that he has this vision that God had done something significant on this summit now, now that sprung forth into this flowing river that, that everything it touched and everyone that came in, in contact with this river, they, it was like they, they met God. And, and one of the ways that he envisions this river coming is in Ezekiel 47 verse eight, he says this, then he said to me, the water flows towards the eastern region, goes down into the valley and enters the sea. Uh, some of your translations say the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea because nothing lives in it, all right? And he's, so get this, Ezekiel sees a spring that is flowing from the summit of the Temple Mount that grows into this mighty river that, that everything it touches, it brings healing. It reaches the Dead Sea. He says, when it reaches the Dead Sea, its waters are healed. That, that what Ezekiel is saying is that, that this river flowing from the Temple of God, it makes dead things fresh. Point number three, and finally, if you're taking notes this morning, write this down, a serving heart. A serving heart. So, so the temple, it existed to serve all that came into contact with it. And if you and I, if we are the temple of God, you were meant to help people encounter God when they encounter you. You are the temple. Do people experience God when they encounter you? When people, when they meet you, is it as if they met God? Are you a life-giving river to all that come into contact with you? God's home is where your heart is, and you are God's solution to bring life to the world, church. Like, like how do people hear about the gospel? You tell them, all right? Like, how do people experience the, the ethereal love of God through you, his body? How do people know the heart of God through God's home, you? He wants to use you, church. He wants to use every story in this place to, to manifest himself so that he can make known the mysteries of the gospel and help people know the love that God has for the world. That there's this river that's flowing from the summit to the springs and beyond. That this river called Abundant Life, it, we're seeing it minister to this region, but also to the world. So I don't know if you know this or not, but we have this thing going on in Peru. I call it Teramasu, Peru, but it's Terapoto and Shapaha. Isn't that fun to say? Shapaha. Anyway, and so that's where we're at. And um, it's probably insulting if you're in Peru, I'm sorry. But um, anyway. 
we have this, this church that we're planning in Peru, and, and just recently we got um, news from them that, man, we're, we, we've already started building. Isn't this awesome? Yeah, praise God. Yeah, let's clap it up. And, and, and so check this out. In that place, that place is going to continue to grow and continue to become a building. But what is significant is that in that place, the people of God are going to collide and lives are going to be changed by Jesus because the river of abundant life has wound down to different regions in this area into the world. And so, Blue Springs, you're going to be in heaven someday, and you're going to meet Peruvian people that you had the chance to impact for the glory of God. Lee Summit, you're going to meet people in Peru in eternity, and, and you're going to say, hey, I, I heard about what we got to do down there. I never was able to go, or I was able to go, but, but it, tell me about the stories of life change that took place because our river wound down to South America. That God wants to use you. He wants to use you to build his kingdom. And he has gifted everyone in here to advance his kingdom and to make his, 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 his name known in the world. Uh, Paul, he writes in Romans 12, very similar discourse to a different group of people talking about their gifts. And here's what he says in Romans 12, starting in verse 6. He says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let's use them. I love that Paul recognizes that we all have different gifts. Like, like God envisioned a body that had unity but not uniformity, all right? We don't need a bunch of me's, okay? That would be bad, all right? It would be loud and we wouldn't get any detail thing done, okay? We need the gifts that you bring to the team and God celebrates unity but not uniformity. God celebrates diversity that's holy, and so God has given us these gifts. He, he's given you gifts, and he wants you to use them. And he goes on and just kind of lists a few of them. He says, if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. What, what, God, what, what gifts has God given you? What gifts has he given you? And how are you using them to serve his purpose. So, so every week we, um, we take up a tithe and offering. You know, we pass that bucket. kind of looks like a KFC bucket, but black. You know, we pass it around and, and we ask you to put money in it or we ask you to text to give or give. Y'all ever heard this before? Yeah, right? Yeah, every week. And so we talk about this every week and, and because we want, it, we want you to be able to give your, of your tithes and your offerings and help advance the mission and the movement of, of God. Now, how crazy would it be if I walked in after the services uh, to the guys that take care of that? I was like, how'd we do today, guys? They're like, oh, man, it was a good day. I'm like, all right, well, just go ahead and just, you know, let me know what, what we got. And they start handing me the money. I'm like, oh, man, I'm about, to, I'm, I'm about to get box seat tickets today to the gang with that one, right? And, and they're like, okay, and uh, here's another one. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I, this one right here is going to pay for all my girls' college and grad school Thank you, Jesus. You know, and I start taking the money that you guys gave, and I start using it for my own gain, my own purposes. Y'all would be like, bro, that's not why we gave that money, all right? We did not give our hard-earned money to God so that you would intercept it and then use it for you, right? That, that's, that wouldn't fly, would it? Y'all would fire me, right, quickly, wouldn't you? And let me reassure you, that's not how we rolled Abundant Life, all right? We use every dollar to advance the mission and the vision of God not the mission and the vision of, of a man, okay? But if, but if we did that, if I took your gifts that you gave to advance the mission and vision of God 
and I used them for my own gain. You would be like, what are you doing? That's not why we gave you those gifts, Chad. And I think that's a picture of God's perspective on us at times. Like we take the gifts that God has given us and then we begin to use them, the, the gifts of leadership, the gifts of, of creativity, the, the, the gifts of, of financial resources. We begin to use them to advance our own, our own agenda, our own kingdom. And God's like, I, that's not the reason why I gave you those gifts. I gave you those things, not so that you would use them all on yourself. I gave you those things so that you would advance my mission and my vision for the world. And I've seen people that have, that have small gifts but big faith and they've made big impact. And I've seen people with big gifts and so much potential but small faith. And they've been mesmerized by the trinkets of this life and they never live for the next one. Do you have a serving heart? Are you involved in, in the game, so to speak? We, we expect our members, if you're a member at Abundant Life, we expect you to serve here or as one of our approved partners on your way to serve the world. That, that we say here at Abundant Life that every member is a minister. That, that we long to see everyone get involved in the game. Like I love Jana and Rick's story. I was talking with Jana last week and she's like, don't, don't think, I don't want people to think that you've gotta give your kidney to be a Christian, all right? That's not the point of the story, okay? And we celebrate Jana and praise God for that radical thing, but she's like, obedience is not radical. Obedience is obedience. There's no such thing as big obedience and little obedience. Obedience is obedience. And she simply heard about a need and said yes to God, whatever the cost. And that's the point. Like, we, we just long for you to have your yes on the table. And so your yes may lead you to meet a need by, by providing a meal for somebody, serving at the food pantry, or it may lead you to meet a, a need by, by helping somebody get to, to work or whatever it is. I'm not real sure what, what, what God has gifted you, but, but the point is that you would use your gift for the glory of God. And when it comes to serving in our church, oftentimes that can be a little bit of a difficult thing to, to navigate, right? It's, just, it's like a small town here, okay? And so anyway, like it's gonna be hard to navigate. Where do I plug in? Are there needs? Well, we have this thing called the Volunteer. And the Volunteer exists to give you a tour of our campus so that you can figure out what's the best place for you to serve here. And so if you are confused and you don't know what that looks like functionally, sign up, sign up for this. If you're at Blue Springs, again, next steps card right in front of you. Just check, I want to serve, take it to the next steps desk, and somebody will be in contact with you. We need you in the game. You need you in the game. We just launched the campus. There were a lot of people that went. There are kids that are going crazy in Journey Kids right now, right? There's like seven people overseeing 800 kids. I'm just kidding, it's not that bad. But... <clears throat> Like, some of you are like, mom's like, I'm going out, you know. But, but, but really, we have needs in our body to be able to minister effectively with excellence. We need you to step up. Now's your time. Maybe 2020 is the year you go global. We, we, have, we have over five teams that are going across the world out of our church on a global serve trip or a global serve team, and we want you to go. Maybe this is the year that you go global and you minister with one of our partners overseas. Are you serving? When people encounter you, do they encounter God? We want to be a river that doesn't just flow to Purcells, all right? 
We want to be a river that flows all across the world. And if we are the temple and we fail to serve its purposes, then we're who Paul speaks about in 2 Timothy. We have a form of godliness, but we deny his power. Are you serving your purpose? Rick's kidneys, they weren't serving their purpose. He had a member of his body that was not serving its purpose, and it was making the whole body sick. He, he said things like this, that I was tired, I was weak, and I was just not good. And this is a picture of a lot of the churches in our day today, that there are members that are not serving their purpose in the body of Christ, and they're causing the body of Christ to be tired, to be weak, but when those members begin to serve properly, an appetite comes back, and God begins to restore strength, and we get to run with fervor the race that God has set out before us, and we get to be the light bearer of God into a, a dark world, and we can usher the gospel into unreached people groups. We can usher the gospel into the schools of our region. We can be all that God has created us to be only to the degree that we're willing to serve. Let me just kind of communicate the heart of my message real quick. Some of y'all were worried about what was going on here. And I, I brought something. Paul, he uses this imagery of an organ. So I brought a beef heart. I don't have a cow, all right? <laughs> Dad jokes, all right. This is kind of awkward, isn't it? Awkward, isn't it? Blue Springs is awkward, yeah? You, you, you carried a heart in here today. Why, why is it not awkward for, for you? you? You carried a heart in here. There, there's hearts all in this building. It's awkward because this heart is not where it belongs, okay? This heart is in a building. It's not in a body. And this is the picture that Paul is painting in the Scripture that we are like an organ in a body, and when we are not connected to the body, it's just awkward, man. And there's something off. And God, he wants to give you a new heart so that you can get connected to his body and serve his purposes. See, this heart, it's dead. And the thing that it belongs to is dead too. And may this burn in our brains that God longs for us to exist in our proper place in his body to give life to his mission. Let me pray that we would. Lord Jesus, thank you so much just for this day and this opportunity to get into your word and to be challenged. God, I pray that you would help us to to be cut to the heart, literally, by your truth. God, if there's somebody here and they don't know you, God, that they would step into a right relationship with you, that you would trade a heart of stone that they were born with and give them a heart of flesh, as Ezekiel talks about. God, I pray that you would help them to be honest that they're dead in their sins, and they would be open to receive the the, the divine heart transplant from you. God, I pray that you would work in our body. Those of us who know you, that we would be able to prioritize and 
and, and get a hold of our schedule so that we can live for what matters most. God, help us to be connected to a body, a local body that's living on mission. God, help us to be effective in that body. Help us to serve our purposes. Give us awareness of our gifts. And then help us to, to know that we were called to use those to, to help people encounter you in our workplaces, in our homes, in this church. God, abundant life, this body, these people, we are an unstoppable force in the hands of a mighty God if we'll stay dependent and yielded. God, if there's somebody here and they're not connected, God, help them to see that they're like a heart outside of the body help them to get connected. God, I pray that you'd help us to be your people for your glory. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, hey, before we dismiss, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to this morning's message. If some of you, you need to respond by coming forward and grabbing one of these men and women by the hand and say, hey, I need a new heart in Christ. I prayed that prayer last week, but I didn't go public, and you need to make that public. And so you do that at this time. Others of you, maybe you need to go by the next steps desk and be like, hey, uh, this guy said this. I didn't catch all the details. I need to sign up for this. We need to be who God's called us to be. And so let's be obedient to do what he's telling us to do right now. You guys have an incredible week of worship. We'll see you next time.